Hey guys, this is Jonathan, your content producer over at Stay Forth Designs, and I am really excited. So before you hit that button to skip 15, 30 seconds ahead to get to the episode, don't. Uh, sit with this one, listen to what I've got to say. I promise you're going to want to hear it. Um, Healthy Leader Summit is live. Like, we are so excited. We've worked tirelessly to put together this experience, and it is an experience. It's not just another content-driven overload where you're going to be more stressed out trying to watch videos. We've spent two years thinking through this and the last year developing it, bringing together 40 thought leaders and practitioners who are not just speaking from head knowledge. They're giving you hard application. They're in the trenches with you. They understand all the complexities that you've navigated because they've navigated those same complexities, and they cannot wait to pour into you at Healthy Leaders Summit. Um, we've been getting flooded with messages of people who are just been refreshed and they've experienced breakthroughs and and wow moments just through one day of the conference we just started day two we've got three days left so if you haven't registered do us a favor head over to healthyleadersummit.com and get signed up you can get you can register for as little as five bucks instead of buying another coffee or or something from the fast food restaurant or pizza make a lasting investment in your leadership with a five dollar investment and know that all of that's going to compassion international now, we know you're busy, and if you can't attend this week, you can also grab a lifetime pass, and all of those funds will also go to Compassion International for their We Rise as One initiative, which is essentially disaster relief for countries that have been ravaged by COVID. Um, so you can get more information by heading over to HealthyLeadersSummit.com. We would love to have you inside the summit. It is live right now, and it is not too late to register. If you registered before the end of the day today, you can still catch yesterday's talks, even though we're in day two. So head over to HealthyLeadersSummit.com. Get yourself registered, and we will see you in the summit. Well, this is a crucial conversation we're going to have with one of my favorite people and thought leaders, and we're going to crack open a topic of anxiety. Now, I don't think anybody would say, I don't feel any anxiety right now in this year, in this season, but as Steve and I began talking, I realized I actually do have anxiety. I actually wrestle with anxiety. And so that demystifying that you do of anxiety is so helpful uh, for us, especially as leaders. And this has many effects on our leadership, our teams, our organizations. So Steve, can you just start with defining what anxiety isn't and then what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, anxiety is a giant word. Everyone knows the word. But but in, in what we're talking about is the kind of anxiety a leader carries. And so people say, oh, I'm not really anxious because they think anxiety is worry and fear. But leadership anxiety is any kind of thing that you carry that your team catches. Like uh, one of the things that's just patently true is a tense leader generates a tense team. But if you can be a grounded leader or a calm leader, you can actually infect your team. And, and the difference there is, is being aware of your leadership anxiety, which is what's going on under the surface in you that you may or may not be aware of and how it gets in the way of your well-being and then your team's well-being. That would be like it in a nutshell, like what leadership anxiety is. And every leader, whether you know it or not, every leader carries some level of leadership anxiety. And this fall, we're, we're in the heart of this fall, in the heart of this challenging year. Can you name some of the causes of anxiety that we are all wrestling through right now? Yeah, that's a great question. There are there are just certain causes that is going to make anybody anxious, no matter how you're wired. One of them, and probably the one that's most relevant, is ambiguity. Uh, anytime you don't know what to do, and particularly when you're a leader, you actually have to do something, and you have to lead into an unknown. 
Like I know there's certain kinds of leaders that really energizes you. You like the unknown, but over time, ambiguity is going to make you anxious. Uh, also, uh, as you're surely aware, we are in uh, an election year. And so just hostility, people's strong opinions, particularly if you're, a, let's talk to faith leaders real quick. If you're a faith leader and you have any kind of political diversity in your church, you're probably carrying quite a bit of anxiety, just managing the tension of differing opinions. Uh, so those would be two things. That, but, but the bread and butter, if, if a leader wants to start to figure out uh, what makes them anxious, all they have to do is put themselves in a situation where they don't know what to do and then just pay attention to what's going on in them and that'll kind of help them sort out some of their anxiety. Mm, you said that keyword hostility. What's the connection between anxiety and hostility? Well, you know, so so there's two forms of anxiety. Some of us, because of the way we're wired, we have our own like unique triggers. So in my case, I'm just prone to being a people pleaser. And not every leader is, of course, but but a lot of the people watching this are saying, oh yeah, that, that's me. I tend to be a people pleaser. So if if you just intuitively know someone is angry, regardless of if they're angry at you, it might be that you're trying to please them. It might be that you just don't know how to deal when people are in conflict with each other. That's an anxious response. Whatever is going on in you is actually a, a form of leadership anxiety. Then there's just a whole other category of anxiety that's that's like universal to all of us, regardless of how you're wired. And, and that would be like ambiguity. Anytime a leader's in a situation where things are unclear and they have to make the call, that's going to generate some kind of pressure or anxiety. And what's interesting about people is some people are very aware of it, but other people, they, they kind of try to skate above it like it doesn't exist. And, and quite often it's your team or maybe the people that love you in your life that are more aware of your anxiety than you are. So, you know, for people watching this, if, if you're like, oh, I don't think I'm a very anxious person, I would encourage you to ask maybe a spouse or a child or a, or a team member, just ask them, hey, when do you know I'm anxious before I know I'm anxious? And, and just believe the answer. You know, whatever they say, take, take their word for it. Mm, that's good. Yeah, they know. They, they see the effects. Why is that, Steve, that many times as leaders, we're the last ones to know about our anxiety? Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's because we're so driven for the cause. Sometimes we're very others focused. A lot of leaders I know, it, it comes from a really good heart. We're just so focused on our team or, or how people are doing. We're just not naturally in the habit of taking care of ourselves. I think particularly Christian leaders, whether you're a church leader or a business leader, if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe in selflessness. And so the idea of paying attention to yourself, could, I think initially can feel like the opposite of the gospel. Uh, and so what happens is we, we then get in the grip of anxiety. It, it actually is a spiritual dark force. Leadership anxiety actually gets us in its grip. It kind of spins us down a path before we're even aware we're anxious. And we're so caught up in the moment. That's why we, we do sometimes need loved ones or team members who we trust to, to help us, you know, to let us know. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite stories from my own life, I, I often tell people, you, don't, you haven't lived until your nine-year-old daughter is aware that you're anxious before you're aware of it. Uh, I've trained all my family to talk to me when I'm anxious. And to this day, I'm like, I've become like the anxiety guy, right? My family members will still come to me and say, hey, dad, I... I I think you might need a little break here because you know, I'm acting and I'm usually for me, it shows up where I'm not present. That's how they know I'm anxious is that they're, they're trying to get my attention and I'm so worked up in my head about what's going on. I'm just not present. And that's, 
That's what anxiety does is it stops us from being able to be fully present to people. And I think more powerfully, it's actually leadership anxiety stops us from being uh, present to God. We actually forget that God's with us. We start to believe it's all in our shoulders and I just have to work harder and all that kind of stuff. Those are all signs of leadership anxiety. You wrote a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety. You lead an organization with the same name. Um, Why was it not called Eliminating Leadership Anxiety? Oh man, I love that. Yeah, so I'm I'm still an anxious person. I carry leadership anxiety every day. I don't believe you can eliminate it. Um, I, I think what you can do is you can, and, and it's enough. What you can do is great. You can go from being in its grip to having it in your grip. You can flip the power dynamic. So my whole path is going from being managed by it to managing it. And if you don't think you have anxiety, this is obviously a bold claim, Alan, but I'm going to say that means you're being managed by it right now. If you don't think you're anxious or if you don't know the impact of your leadership anxiety on you, on your team, on your personal relationships, that's the evidence that you're actually at its grip and and you need an intervention. Wow. All right. Take us down this rabbit hole. How do we move from being managed by our anxiety to managing it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like going to the gym. You, you need to put some reps in, but anyone can do it. Anyone can get in anxiety shape. So the step one is to notice it in your body. That it, it doesn't begin in your body, but it's like the easiest way to first pay attention to it. So if you can begin to name it, then you can tame it. That's, that's just a great, simple thing to remember. Man, if I can name it, I can tame it. There's something powerful about naming when you're anxious that just by naming it makes it less anxious. And there's a whole science behind that we don't have to get into. So the first step is, okay, how do I know, how can my body start telling me when I'm anxious? And this isn't some like weird voodoo or foo-foo thing. It's dead simple. You just figure out where it begins for you. And so for me, it always begins in a spinning mind. When I notice that my mind is speeding up or that I'm, I'm worrying and I'm, I almost picture like it's a rat on a wheel in my head. No progress, just more spinning. That's a sign I'm anxious. For others, it's a racing heart. It's, it's almost like they, they would describe it as, you know, it's like I had 10 cups of caffeine. I'm just so jittery. And, um, and then for others, it'd be like a, a tightening body. So either a sickening in the gut or for a lot of people, it, they grab it around their shoulders or their neck. They're just always looking for someone to give them a rub. That's step one. If you can name for, for someone, okay, my anxiety begins in, in this one place. Then step two is a, is a deeper work. It takes a bit longer, but you start to name what you believe you need that you don't actually need. That's, that's the heart and soul of leadership anxiety. That's what makes it different from, for example, PTSD or other forms of anxiety is leaders in any given situation we have a set of beliefs that we, we think we need in order for us to be okay. So I, I already shared like my need to be liked. Another example from my life is I need to have the answer. When somebody asks me something and I don't know, I get anxious. And there's a whole complex set of reasons. I, I, I grew up thinking I wasn't very smart. And so I, I, I always want to look smart, stuff like this. But none of these are real needs. Like my life can thrive without people liking me without having the answer. Now, every leader has somewhere between 12 and 50 chronic needs that if you don't get them, they generate anxiety. So the next step, once you figure out your body, is to start learning to name your needs. And 
it's a, it's a, it's a painful and fun exercise. I, I continue to uncover sources of leadership anxiety. Uh, about 10 years ago, I, I discovered that I need every single sermon I preach to be the best sermon people have ever heard. And even just by saying that, you realize that's crazy. That's crazy. Now, once you identify the need, then the final step, or really step three, is, is to make a list of the impact on you and the impact on, on people. And so when I started realizing, man, I need every sermon to be the best sermon they've ever heard, it's unsustainable. Then I start mapping out how that affects people, how that affects me. And then the, the final step, which may be a little beyond our time today, is to really let the gospel infect our anxiety and actually displace that anxiousness with the peace and presence of God. And that, that's kind of the final step. Now, I laid through those pretty quick. That for, for some people, that's going to take some weeks or months to really dial in. Uh, but yeah, you can begin with your body for sure. What are some misconceptions that you see leaders regularly having about anxiety? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's always about 5 or 10% of leaders that say they don't have it, which you mentioned, and that's because they think it's, I, they, they just say, look, I'm not a very fearful person. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not interested in saying, no, you really are afraid. No, their anxiety manifests in, for example, extreme productivity. Uh, when they don't know what to do, they just produce more content. We've seen a lot of that during COVID. Uh, when, when we first went into isolation, my inbox blew up, just fourfold. All these people pushing content out. And I'm like, oh, we've got a lot of anxious leaders. Um, so so there's that, that's a misconception. I think another misconception I've run into, I actually had this conversation recently. You know, people get to know my work where I come in and I actually help teams notice and name their own anxiety, the impact on the team. How do you infect an anxious team with calm presence, all that kind of stuff. And some people will say, what, what do you do, Steve? Do you just sit around and talk about your feelings all day? Do you actually get anything done? And I always laugh. I'm like, look, I, I think my team is more efficient than yours. I would put the efficiency of my team up against any because none of this subtext is getting in the way anymore. And you wouldn't believe how many people on your team are talking behind each other's back how many are having like a meeting after the meeting? All of this sideways energy that keeps leaders and teams off mission. That, that this path where, where all I'm helping people do is name and notice what's going on under the surface in you, what's going on under the surface in your team and how you're infecting each other. Like, boy, you can really make incredible progress. And, and I, I think what's most exciting, you can actually have a happy team. You can have a team that loves to be together. Doesn't mean there's not conflict doesn't mean there's not problems, but they, there's a level of trust. There's a level of vulnerability where they can really uh, get after it. Let's, let's dial in on that a little bit, Steve. How does a team move from that tense and conflictual team to a happy team? So moving yeah. just beyond the leader, how would a team actually go down that rabbit hole or that process to move from conflict to happy? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, most people have heard speed of the leader, speed of the team. That relates to this, like a tense leader is going to build a tense team. A calm leader or grounded leader is going to build a happy team. That's because uh, a calm presence infects anxiety. But without calm presence, anxiety is what's infectious. The most, the most anxious person in the room makes everyone anxious. Uh, and the most anxious person in the room usually has the most power. And again, people hear that and they say, what, like the person who's worried the most? 
No, sometimes anxiety can look like anger, like an outburst. That's an anxious response. Um, oftentimes, women love it when I'll say that mansplaining is always an anxious response. <laughs> if, if, if you're a woman on a team and some dude is telling you what you already know, or worse yet, what you just explained yourself, they're anxious. Uh, so, so anxiety, boy, it, it, it looks different in every team, but, but if a team wants to do some of this work, the first step really is on the leader. The leader has to set the pace and the leader has to start to notice in their own self, what kinds of team dynamics get me spun up and, and it can take a while. But once you figure that out, I, I think one of the simplest tools is a leader can start to pay attention to uh, what are the unspoken values that I hold that people on this team are violating? And, and the way you know what an unspoken value is, is you, you have a, un, an unreasonable response. So in my case, I really value promptness at my meetings. If you're coming to my meeting, you need to be on time. And if you're not going to be on time, you need to be courteous. So I highly value promptness because I have this high value of courtesy. Now, if someone's running late, they're stuck in traffic, they can text us and say, hey, so sorry, I'll be three minutes late, I'll be five minutes late. Then my value is, being, is, is good. But if someone comes 10 minutes late to my team meeting and they don't say sorry and they don't apologize, they actually act like nothing happened, which a lot of people do when they fall short. They just kind of put their head in the sand, hope no one talks about it. That makes me anxious. And that will make my whole team anxious. I'll actually go around and I'll count every person around that table times the 10 minutes. And I'm sitting here fuming like, you've just burned 70 minutes of productivity. Now, that's pretty nuts. But what a leader can do is you can start to notice the recurring behaviors that are making you frustrated. And then you can bring that to your team. You can say, hey, I want to take these unspoken values and I actually want to start speaking them. But it's not like a, a leader is inflicting your values on the team. It's an invitation for all of the team to bring a shared upon set of behaviors. How are we going to treat each other? And so, for example, I value direct conversation and I punish indirect conversation on my team. Everyone knows that we've all agreed to it. The next time someone talks about someone before they talk to someone, I just bring our agreed upon values. I'm like, hey, we've already agreed on this thing. One of the best things I think we do on our team is when, when we did this values exercise, I, I said to the team, I break these values. These shared, upon, shared values, that how we're going to treat each other, I violate them. We all fall short. But now we have language to use for each other. So any of you can come to me when you see me violating the very values I brought. So it's not about everyone walking on eggshells and being perfect. It's about valuing each other and what each other values. And that just gives you some common language of, of how to treat each other. Most, most leadership anxiety is generally generated around relational tension. And so if you and your team can build your values to de-escalate it, you, you can have a happy team. Mm. I was just coaching a leader who is stuck. Maybe 90% of his energy is going to one relationship that is yes. not making progress over time. If you're watching this, you have anxiety you deal with anxiety regularly. Maybe you don't deal with it. Maybe you run and avoid it. This has been so helpful to me, Steve. It's been so helpful to our team. And I know many other teams out there talk to us about when we are spun up. In this season, we've been spun up as a parent, as an employee, as a human wondering what's going on, as someone in the United States wondering what is the future of, of politics and why can't people get along? I mean, I get spun up 
from one time scrolling through Facebook right now. So give me a few tools and you already talked about some of them, but a few tools when I am spun up and I am feeling the anxiety rise and sort of bubble or boil to the surface. What are some tools for me to actually move toward calm presence? Oh yeah. Fantastic. So let's, let's cover three. The the first one, I, I love how you mentioned, this is really common. Like, look, my team's great, except there's one person. And what tends to happen is when you're caught in anxiety's grip, you tend to demonize that person. What I love about these tools is that it forces the leader to take responsibility. So let's say you have a dynamic. Here's the first tool. You can, you can start to go from spun up to calm presence when you notice that your attempted solutions with that person is making it worse. Most of us have problems. Most of us can resolve our problems. But the problems that keep us anxious are the problems that keep ha- the same problem again. So let's say you have, let's say, a chronically late employer. Let's say that's the problem. And you've had a meeting with them to talk about it, and they're still chronically late. So your solution is more meetings, more insight from you, more motivational speeches, more clarity. That, that's crazy. The, the next step is actually to figure out, okay, what am I contributing that makes this problem worse? Because what you end up doing is you demonize that person. You say, they're always like, why can't they get it together? But you're part of the problem because you believe that more motivation from you is going to make them motivated. And so the next meeting might look very different. It might say, hey, I'm done talking about it. Now you're going to pay. I, I, I got to say, Helen, I've done this after several times. I actually said to someone, next time you're late, I'm just going to tell her, the whole room. We all know this person sometimes is late and sometimes forgets altogether. We don't know which it is right now. We're going to start. I just, and so I told the person ahead of time, I want you to know when you're late, I'm throwing you under the bus. I'm done covering for you. So one tool that a leader can use is to always try to put the anxiety where it belongs on the anxiety generator. Now that's pretty aggressive, but that's a that, that's a tool, tool that can work. The, the second tool is actually noticing when you're anxious and working on your reactivity. It's one of the most powerful ways that you can go mm-hmm. from spun up to calm presence. You know, when you're spun up, you're all reactive, you're defensive, you're angry, you're short. But if you can notice that you're doing that, you, this happened to me this morning, right before the interview. You mentioned Facebook. I was on Facebook. I'm on a group. It's actually a racial reconciliation group. I'm there to learn. And I see this person just doubling down on people. I don't know this person. I'm, I could see myself getting reactive. I believe the lie that what they need is insight from me. <laughs> and I start to comment. And then I realize, what am I doing? This person doesn't know me. They're not in any situation where they're going to learn. And so I caught my reactivity. And so the next tool people can use is to notice when you're getting reactive and pause before acting. Leaders are so proactive. We're so prone to action that if you just put the oxygen mask on your own face, and here's the thing, it it only takes 30 seconds. This morning, it probably took me 20 seconds just to say, right now, I believe the lie that one comment from me will change this person. That's a lie. We all know that's not true but I was caught up in my anxiety. I take a breath. I remember my social media values, which I actually have a set of values on how I behave on social media. And one of my values is I don't tell people off and I don't try to teach them something. It's because it just doesn't work. And, I, I, and so 
what a leader can do is you can have, you can know your values. Who, what kind of person are you? What kind of way do you want to behave? When you're noticing you're getting spun up, you just literally take some breaths, remember your values. And then the third one is a, is a thing called a life-giving list. We can get to that, but I just want to pause and see, because obviously we covered a lot of ground there. Yeah, life-giving list is one of the most practical things. I think that if you're watching this, that you can do, that you can map out, it's easy. Uh, and Steve, this is a really helpful tool. So why don't you share about this list that I've told many people about? Yeah, this list for me was born when this whole journey for me on leadership anxiety was born when I was a trauma chaplain. And uh, what's been most surprising to me is the lessons I learned on how to be a calm presence in the face of trauma and death have just served me for the rest of my life as a leader. I I didn't think that when I became a chaplain, I didn't think I, I was building a foundation of leadership health. It was incredible. What I learned as a chaplain and what I practiced as a leader Sometimes anxiety, you can displace it in the moment, like we just talked about, but a lot of times you actually have to proactively build calm presence over time. Like you have to put these experiences in your like anxiety bank account. So a life-giving list, it's, it's a dead simple thing. You simply make a list of all the people in your life, the places and activities that either make you feel human and alive or make you feel the smile of God. Uh, I, I happen to know like you and I had breakfast recently and you ordered avocado toast. And as the avocado toast got delivered, I watched you give a little prayer of thanks for the taste of avocado. That's, it's that simple. Yeah. So on my life giving list, the people, places and activities, I've got like 80 something things. And whenever I coach leaders on this, you know, I'll actually give them a few minutes to start generating this list and they'll come up with two or three people and two or three places. And I'll say to them, Hey, I've got like 80 something things. Uh, I've got, you know, uh, the chair on my back porch is a place. And so is a CC Italy and 30 places in between. Uh, one of the places on my list is anytime I'm up to my knees or my waist in a trout stream. Mm, and it doesn't yes. matter which one, but if I'm just up to my knees and my waist. And so you make this list and you get really granular. I've got lint milk chocolate on my list. My wife has um, home old school stovetop popcorn is on her list. So if you're in a relationship, you and your loved one can make a list. Your kids can make this list. And, and and just these are the things that displace anxiety, that get you off the leadership treadmill. And they remind you that you're not just God's worker, God's employee, you're God's beloved child. So I would just say for those watching, whether you're a faith leader in a church or a marketplace, when you think of the gifts of God, if your first thought goes to the spiritual gifts, the gifts that God has given you to serve the kingdom, the life-giving list really challenges you to think about the gifts that God has given you as Alan. And Alan, you have a unique set of gifts that God's given you that God has not given me. That's your wife, Julie, and your kids, and you know these relationships you have. And, and I practice life-giving gratitude every day. This morning, just to be completely frank, I woke up next to my wife, and before I got out of bed, I was like, thank you, Lord, for this woman that I get to wake up with. This is a unique gift to me. And it's just that little moment of gratitude. Man, God loves me so much. He gave me all these gifts. And, uh, you know, Alan, this is a Compassion International sponsored event, right? I've done this in the slums of Kenya. 
I've done this in uh, a remote area in Haiti. And so anybody, anybody can make a list of the things that God's given them. So yeah, you can, you can get a download. I, you can make your own list and I've made a, a yeah, where, template you can use. Where do we get that? Leaders watching, listening, you need to get this. Where can leaders get their hands on that life-giving list? Yeah, the easiest way to get it is just to send a text to 31996. Just open up your text, type in 31996 in, in the two as if that's the phone number. And then in the body of the text, just put MLA for Managing Leadership Anxiety. So 31996, text MLA, and it'll text you back. It'll ask you for your email address, and then I'll send you the life-giving list. There'll be a little instruction video on how to use it. Uh, that's, that's the best way to get it. Awesome. Steve, I'm so grateful for your work, and it really does feel like in this moment, in this season, uh, not only do we need your work, but at Stay Forth Designs, you are shoulder to shoulder with us, partnering with, with us in what I believe is kind of a health revolution. On this Healthy Leader Summit, we are literally saying you don't have to live and lead as the culture is and, and as the norms are. So thank you for continuing to help us push against those norms, pull things to the surface, and ultimately name some of the things that are absolutely derailing us or, or are about to. We always yeah, end Alan, with this man. question. Let me just jump in. I love what you're doing at Stay Forth. I, I think your, your whole move into bypassing burnout, your leadership cohorts, they're just, they're fantastic assets for leaders. Well, thanks. It's, it's an honor to partner alongside of you and for you guys to get access to, to Steve, managing leadership anxiety. I love what you guys continue to do as a team. We always want to leave with, with one question, kind of go out with a bang. If you zoom out 10 years from now, the 2030 question what do you want people to say about how you led through this crazy year of 2020? I, yeah, that's what a great question. I want people to say there was a guy who was okay not knowing what to do. And he bravely and vulnerably led into the unknown. And he got about a B minus. And, and the reason I want to add the grade is I think so many leaders believe we must get an A plus and, and, I think leadership's more like baseball than baking, right? I think you've said that too, Alan. That three out of 10 at, it hits at bat. You get paid millions of dollars in baseball. So I, I want people to say, he did okay. Like he made some mistakes, but he did the best he could. But most of all, he was calm in the unknown. And he wasn't afraid of getting it wrong. And he got some things wrong and he got some things right. And here we are thriving. I, I think the other thing I hope I would do, whether people say it or not, I hope I'd be attuned to what God's doing. What's God killing off that I'm holding on to? What's God giving new life to that he's inviting me to join him in? I, I hope I'd be doing that whether people notice it or not. All right. So interview officially done. That was great, man. Good. <laughs> um, well done on the language, man. Proud of you. That, that, <laughs> You'd be, it was so timely. Yeah, so no timely. Yeah. Good job not laughing as I'm just taking yesterday and popping it right in. Amazing. Well applied. Can we do a quick um, promo that we'll yeah. cut and just throw out there ahead of time? Basically, I'll introduce you. And, you know, basically what I'd love for you to say would be, um, hey, come join us for the Healthy Leader Summit. And no need for, you know, details on it, kind of when it is. But like this is a moment for us to work on us, who we are, something like that. And, you know. 20 or 30 seconds, and then we'll kind of drip these promos out over time. Is it you and I together or just me? Yeah, so I'm going to start and then yeah. just say I'm here with my friend Steve Cuss of Managing Leadership Anxiety. Um, Steve and his team do some incredible things. 
and then just you kind of take it over. Would love to have yeah. you join us at the Healthy Leader Summit kind of thing. Great. Well, friends, I'm here with a good friend of mine, Steve Cuss, anxiety expert from Managing Leadership Anxiety. Uh, let me let me do that over again. That was that was weird. I'm here with a friend of mine, Steve Cuss of Managing Leadership Anxiety. Sorry, let me. Yeah, let me just do that short intro and then you just take it away. We'll do a yep. really short invite. Jonathan, you're great for all this editing. I'm here with my friend Steve Cuss from Managing Leadership Anxiety. Yeah, hi, Alan. Hey, I am really excited about the Healthy Leader Summit coming up. You know, there are so many opportunities for, for leaders nowadays to get material, but I think in this time and season, there's nothing more important than leadership health and, and noticing what's healthy in you and what's healthy in your team. So I'm just excited that uh, we get to participate in this summit together and hopefully share some really tangible ways that people can increase their leadership health. Steve's going to be sharing about anxiety, something that I've learned we all wrestle with. None of us gets a free pass from. Join us October 5th or 8th. Make sure to register now. You, your team, any kingdom leader, you are going to want to be at the summit to hear from Steve and others.